you have beautiful video and you have beautiful photos and it's showing like this beautiful closet with the product in it, but there's only like 10 pieces of clothing. It's a perfectly organized closet. And I was saying, we need to start to think about who's going to buy this and where they're going to use it. Hi, I'm Jacqueline Snyder, and this is the Product Boss Podcast. I've helped launch and grow thousands of product-based businesses, even one of my own. And over the last 20 years, I've seen behind the scenes of businesses just like yours. Whether they are makers, manufacturers, artists, or food and beverage businesses, I have spent so many hours studying it all. I've discovered what makes them successful. What are mistakes they could avoid? How did they turn an idea into successful business? And what are strategies they have used to make more sales and be discovered by more customers? This is what this show is all about. Whether you're just starting out or you're looking to become a million dollar product boss, I'm here to give you the permission to chase your dreams, no matter how big or small. All you need is the right mindset, a little courage, strategy, and support, and you too can be the next million dollar product boss. Let's do this. As busy product-based business owners, there's never a shortage of things vying for our time. That's why it's so important to streamline and automate where you can. Thankfully, HubSpot launched an AI chatbot called Campaign Assistant that's a game changer for creating marketing campaigns that will scale your sales. With just a few key points of information, the AI robots can work their magic and deliver you publishable campaigns that you can use directly in HubSpot or even copy and paste to other channels. Oh, and did I mention that it's completely free? So work smarter, not harder. Head to hubspot.com slash campaign dash assistant to test drive campaign assistant for free. Hey, hey, product boss. Okay, so I am going to talk to Chelsea today. She is a student of ours and she's the owner of Radiant Home Products. She has a great product, but there's a bit of a disconnect when it comes to reaching the right customers and getting them to convert to sales. So in this coaching session, we're going to focus on connecting the dots between the product she sells and who her ideal customer is. So we can look to where we can reach them, and then we're going to audit her pricing, her products, and her messaging. So let's hear from Chelsea what Radiant Home Products is all about. Radiant Home Products, I would say, is a design company that focuses on combining form and function for the daily products that we use in our home. And it really started with this tree of life hanger, whereas like all the hangers out there are either plastic, which there's too much plastic in the world, or they're wire, which, you know, also can't be recycled, are really ugly, bad for your clothes, or they're just really plain wood. And in my search for trying to find a hanger that would meet my needs as a woman, I just couldn't find anything I wanted out there. But what I did find were a lot of really expensive hangers that didn't do their job very well and also looked really ugly and plain. And that was kind of what started the inception. I was like, if you're going to pay 90 or $100 for a single hanger, it should at least look cool, right? And that's kind of what sparked it. And that's when I just, I sat down, I drew the Tree of Life hanger and I went, oh, this is actually really great. I should make this. 
And, and so now it's kind of expanded to a lot of other products. You know, I do coat hooks and coat racks um, and jewelry holders and that kind of thing. And I would love to continue expanding, but I also know that I need to kind of focus on starting to sell the things that I do have and kind of honing in on my best seller, like you guys um, talk about and coach on. And so that's kind of where we are today is for me trying to figure out who my ideal customer is because in some ways I am my ideal customer where you know I created this product for me because I wanted it but I also have the advantage that I make them myself so I have a closet full of my beautiful hangers that I made myself which is fine but I almost I'm maybe not quite I, I think if these had already been on the market I may not have bought them or spent the money on them but I do have customers who have bought them and spent the money on them. And so I, I'm a little bit like, I'm not quite my ideal luxury customer. Like I have a nice house. I drive a Tesla. Like I, I have expensive things, but I'm not truly in that luxury upscale market. And that's where I'm struggling because I'm not quite sure how to talk to them. I'm not quite sure exactly how to hone in on my niche. And I feel a bit stuck. Right. The reason why I think part of the reason that we're feeling like it's luxury is because your tree of life hanger starts at 30, about $35. And so the cost per wooden hanger and they're carved and they're beautiful. So if anyone wants to come take a look at it, they're beautifully carved, but they're $35 each. So, and if you know what my closet looks like, I would you know, need a million dollars probably with all the crap in my closet. But my question to you is, do you, are you hand making them yourself or are they manufactured? No, I am working with manufacturer. I think if I made okay. them myself, I'd have to sell them for like 150 each. <laughs> okay. So my question also is then the price point. Are you working within this price point that they are, we don't have to say it exactly, but that they are marked up correctly or are you? So where I am right now is I'm buying low quantity. So I've been working with my manufacturer. I have the pricing for if I were to buy up to like, you know, 5,000 hangers at a time. Right now I'm buying either 200 or 500 at a time. So it is a higher price point and I'm air freighting everything in. So that makes it more expensive. So right now I'm coming in at about $9.50 per hanger. So I'm not quite where I should be now. But as I grow, the price is going to come down and then I will be where I need to be. Yeah. So you are, yes, you're not priced them exactly what they are. So when you told me that he says when you do 3000 what would the price point be? What could they bring it all the way down to? So yeah, if I did that price point and I did C freight, I could get it down to probably about $8.25. So that's as low as you can go. I think so. Okay. And I can keep working with them and keep trying to figure out how to take cost out. But as the design is, as the appearance is right now, that's where my cost is. And it's domestic? No, it's being made in China. Okay. So a lot of people come to this crossroads where you're not manufacturing it, but you are at even going to 3000 to only bring it down about a dollar, dollar twenty-five just means that the product you're making is expensive or the factory you're working with is a higher priced factory. I would in this time research some other factories 
and show them the product. And I just want you to see how low you can go if you can go lower. Yeah, I did. I explored a lot of factories. So I was working with um, several different ones in China. I explored one in Taiwan and I looked into one in India. And honestly, some of them had really bad quality. And I was like, that's not acceptable. And their price was more expensive. And so the one I'm working with right now, they have the best quality and the best price. Okay. So when we come to this crossroads, what happens is that we have to think about, can the market bear it? Because it sounds like you've done all the work. Because you know, if you hadn't talked to other people or you hadn't found out like at scale how much it would be, then that would be my next bit of homework for you. I'd say, go do that. Go see how low it can go. Knowing that even at 3,000 units, you're only going to drop it by about a dollar, which would still keep you at about the same price point. It just means that you do have a more expensive product because your cost of goods and labor and import just can't go any lower. So something that we were talking about on an earlier call, like actually within the mastermind, and now we're doing a coaching call, is I think there might be a disconnect between the branding, the brand image, and who the customer is. Because it's a $35 hanger, it truthfully is something that they probably are not, unless they're really into this and have a lot of money, they're probably not going to use this for their entire closet. Most likely not, even though you did just get a $3,000 sale. So those are going to be the outliers potentially until you establish your brand well enough that then people are catching on to this idea of, oh, I want my closet to look like that. The same way that when those no slip slimline hangers came out, it was like all the rage. Everybody had them. It was the thing you were supposed to have in your closet. So with your brand, Right now, the outliers are going to be the $3,000 orders, but it'd be great if we can get consistently $150 to $300 orders because that means they're buying five to 10 at a time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So are you selling the individuals or people buying those or what are people buying when you do get this? No, so most everybody ends up buying a five pack. And the only reason I still have the single hanger there is it's like, I want to advertise because like on my website, I show, oh, if you get a five pack, it's an 8% cost reduction. So I'm like trying to show them be like, save more when you buy more kind of thing. I don't know that 8% matters. If you're selling $35 hangers, does your customer care about that? And so it's like, if we sell these in packs, now I know you and I have talked about the, the potential for doing like a bridesmaids pack or something like that, but or like a, a bridal, but maybe you do just switch it to the five packs. If people aren't buying the singles, then I don't know why we're wasting time on the singles. Yeah. I mean, so the variant of the hanger with the crystals in it, people do buy a single of that and they're a higher price point. So I'm like, okay, it's fine. I'll sell a single of that. But with just the wood carving, nobody's buying singles. Okay. So that's also telling you something. So the crystals make it something special. Yeah. And you may ask these people who have bought these, hey, could I ask you, like, what occasion, did, what did you buy this one hanger for? Do they buy one or multiples when they buy the? I've had one person buy multiples where they bought two, another person bought three, and then one person bought one crystal and then a five pack of the plain wood. So you could have a buy more, save more. So even what it could be is like within the same page of the Tree of Life crystals, it could be like buy one, get it for this, buy two, get it for, you know, Maybe it's the same price. By three, you save the 8%. So they're still sold as individuals, but then there, there's an enticing part on the page about adding more to the cart. 
When you already have an established business, one of the first things you can do to narrow in on your ideal customer is to take a close look at who is already buying from you. Look at what they're buying, for what occasions, and see if there's anything you can infer about them through that. If you understand what's motivating purchases, you can tap into that same motivation to incentivize your customers to buy more. You've been running ads and you've been running ads by yourself. And you did say that $3,000 order came in on that, but that it doesn't feel like it's necessarily working. So how else are you marketing your products or how are people knowing about Radiant Home products? Like where would I discover you? Right now it's really just Instagram and I just started TikTok. Before that, I was doing a lot of in-person markets and I was breaking even at those markets. But just, you know, after doing like my sixth or seventh one, I was like, this is not worth the time. I need to come up with something else. Right. So I think that the connection between who you're selling to and where you're showing up and selling to them is disconnected. So from a Facebook ads perspective, I'm glad that you took the leap and tried it. You have almost 10,000 people that follow you on social. So however many of those people are your ideal customers, I'd love for you to start to think about content to pull them off of social and onto an email list. Okay, so whether it's a giveaway, whether it's a home organization download, it could be like a stain remover, cheat sheet. Like there's so many things you could think about that would make sense for your customer. I want you to start to grab email addresses. That's a very first part. Second thing is instead of focusing on these in-person pop-ups is maybe instead I can see your stuff at museum stores. I've helped clients before get into those kinds of stores because they're artistic. So they have either local makers or like I've talked to you a little bit about the tree of life could be great for a wedding. And I think about it for like a Jewish wedding, but it could just be a wedding. And I'm just going to say that temples or museums have stuff that they sell. And so you could potentially try and get into the museum circuit for wholesale, going wholesale instead of you needing to do like an in-person where you're breaking even. Yeah. Yeah. So I think thinking about specialty stores, there's also specialty retailers. So I guess I'm talking about wholesale here and you do have the margin for wholesale and you do have $40,000 worth of product that we need to move. And we know that if you sell more units, you could bring the cost down, which is what we want. So the beautiful thing about wholesale is you can sell more of them. Yes, the margin isn't as high, but you can, when we're dealing with manufacturing, we need to think, how do we sell in bulk and wholesale and manufacturing work really well together? So I think that you could think about the specialty stores. So like, you know, there's always like, if you go to like a cute little vacation town, there's a, there's an amazing like home store or kitchen gadget store. There's places like that. I see your stuff in more of those elevated specialty places that it's something special that they come across. And you could even try, maybe we don't sell one. We sell a two pack. Nobody needs one hanger. And if they did, Sorry, but you have to buy the two. So maybe we transition all your ones to twos. I know I told you about the variations on the page, which you could still do if you wanted on the packs. It's like buy a five pack and get this 10 pack, get this discount if you wanted. But I do think maybe we move your singles into doubles and then that will change your price point. So their average order is going to be that 70-ish dollars, which right now I think your free shipping is $75. So I would sell them as two packs. I'd show them as two packs. And then I would 
I think you already have a picture of like a wedding dress, but it might be cool to do one like a wedding dress and a groom, like a suit or tuxedo right next to each other and show those next to each other. And then you're just like making connections for people. How could they eat? So wholesale is one way that I think would be helpful to test and try and thinking about alternative places to wholesale. So we're not just trying to get on fair.com and like hoping that some boutique somewhere buys us. We're going to think very specifically about places that have social stuff. I also think about Michael Aram. They sell a lot in Macy's and Nordstrom's. He's a home designer that creates metal like candlesticks and platters and things like that. But And he is a Jewish artist, but I have seen his stuff in like Jewish boutiques. I've seen them in Macy's and Nordstrom's. They always have like the menorah. But the reason I'm saying this is because I really, truly, the tree of life is so significant in that religion that I think that more than even like, and I'm not sure like from churches, but I do think that is like a place that I could see it because it makes sense. Then you also have the flower, the lotus, which has a different feel to it, but could still be very boho or you could even like yoga stores. So I'm thinking you need to start to think alternatively to where you're selling for wholesale. It's just niche and that's okay based on the designs that you have right now. Long-term, if you start to shift your designs to be, if it does seem to change, then we can talk about another way. But right now, I think that those are kind of the places where people are going and buying really expensive crystal sculptures. They may also buy your stuff as well. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. When you know who your ideal customer is, you can start to ask yourself questions like, where would my ideal customer shop? What situations are they buying my products for? And as you ask these questions, you can start brainstorming more ways for how you can strategically get your product in front of them. So going back to the connection of the customer... There either has to be a visual as to why they're buying your stuff. Because I was saying that the video, you have beautiful video and you have beautiful photos and it's showing like this beautiful closet with the product in it, but there's only like 10 pieces of clothing. It's a perfectly organized closet. And I was saying, we need to start to think about who's going to buy this and where they're going to use it. And it might be for a woman who lives on her own that wants to treat herself. And we have to give her like, the examples of that, which I think is a little bit like where you're at, but I want you to actually go back in and maybe do some market research with your actual customers. People have already bought from you and I want you to contact them and say like, Hey, you know, how did you find us? Did you buy this for a special occasion? Or did you buy this for a place in your, like a certain closet or for certain clothes that you own? I want you to like ask them and you can gift them. You can say like, and when you respond, I'll give you a $25 gift card, for example. And So I want you to start to talk to your customers that have bought and understand from them. You might want to ask them there how much money they're making. Like you could also ask them where they are located, how they discovered you and like ask questions about the use of this product. You might be surprised by some of the stuff you're hearing. And also based on the, I could be completely off base, right? I'm just telling you stuff from my own brain. So it might be that they are making 50 to 100,000, but they're single. You also want to ask single, married, children, ask that part. They're single. They are business professional. They want like a really nice closet. And we also want to ask their age and probably gender, how they identify. Because what we want to do is be like, okay, women are buying this. They're 35 mainly. They're single. 
and they're a working professional and they're using it because they really want to just like upgrade their closet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the one woman who did place the really big order, what it was is she bought um, 60 of the size small and 50 of the size large. And I did a little bit of sleuthing and stocking and she's married, lives in a really nice house. Her husband is high up in the military and teaches at a university. She's retired. So she's much older. And like, I can only imagine if you buy two different sizes, like she bought some for her and some for her husband. And so I did some sleuthing, but I have not actually reached out to her and been like, you know, what inspired you to buy this? Like, what was well, good job, though. <laughs> it's like my mom, when she would sell on Etsy, and she'd be like, so this person, you know, ordered my stuff, and they live in Connecticut. I'm like, mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's customer research. So so knowing who she is, then, we know that, like, if she is retired, then she's probably in her 60s to 70s, just based on U.S., we retire at 65, supposedly. She wanted to buy 50 of them. So to me, that sounds like she's doing an entire closet. And you said she bought the two sizes. So that's the other side of this. So I know you're trying to run meta ads right now. You were doing Facebook ads, but we also need to decide, is your customer hanging out on Instagram or are they Facebook? Because if we have a customer that's in like, let's say the retired age, then they're probably not scrolling Instagram and clicking and buying. No, they'd probably be hanging out on Facebook more. On Facebook, checking out what like their kids are doing in college or grandkids or whatever. So that might be one thing is the further we start to identify who your customer is, like where are they actually hanging yeah, out? Yeah, yeah. And I might have to try and do some research. I don't know if Meta will tell me if my customer saw the ad on Instagram or on Facebook. Mm. I have to look in to see if I can get that granular level of detail. Okay. The other thing you may consider is Pinterest as a place to advertise versus Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. I've been thinking about Pinterest. If you're going to do ads or you're just going to post, Pinterest is a place where people start to search for ideas and they start to try and figure out. So actually funny, it's a suggested for you dressing room closet. Dressing room closet is a good thing for you to think about, right? Because dressing room closet means... It is a room that they hang out in and a closet. Yeah, yeah that because like I've always been thinking about walk-in closets, but I hadn't thought of the term dressing room closet. So even content that you post, let's just say you saw this, you can use an image like this and post it and then it's like closet goals. And now maybe people are following you for closet goals and you just try and make sure that it doesn't have hangers. You know, we can't tell if those are your hangers or not. And even the home organization, right? So even this one where it's like a makeup corner, all of it can be based on this, these like beautiful spaces that women are living in. And it's like goals for them that they wish that they could have like that whole rack with their shoes or all their makeup out or whatever. She also would be your ideal customer. I think Pinterest might be a cool place for you to one, get inspired, two, find content, and even potentially influencers, because a lot of these are bloggers that talk about like their closet makeover. That would be work, being able to work with influencers. And then also finding images, you can always tag them but or follow, find them on Instagram. But finding images, tagging, and resharing. And then people might start following Radiant Home for until you have your own content for 
what they need, want, and desire. So what they desire is to have a beautiful closet or a beautifully organized space. And so if you can just start to share that content with them, that resonates with your customer, but then it it reinforces your brand. Even though I know they're not your images, it's still the kind of customer you want. And then you're a solution for them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I had just dabbled. I, I dipped my toes into Pinterest and I think I, I made like four posts and then didn't do anything more. So <laughs> I need to renew my efforts there. You can, but you can also. So I'm going to flip this for you. Instead of you having to make anything new, you could actually just start to. So Becky Owens, if I can ever get her to design my house, so if anyone knows her, just let her know. <laughs> She's an interior designer. And I follow her on social. I love her aesthetic, all these things, right? I'm just like, I love her. And I want to one day hope that she can uh, design my house. So she has ones that she's created. So if you follow her, she has her own product, her own stuff that she's created. But she's also, you can also see what they've saved. So something that I, when I follow her on Instagram, and even when I follow her on Pinterest, let's say, they're not all hers. So because she's an interior designer, she's more or less like curating images that if you follow her on any of these social content or any of these content platforms, some of it is hers and some of it is not hers. So you can look at her projects as an interior designer, but then you can also just look at like really cool exteriors that she likes. And these are not hers, but they're inspirations. If you work with Becky Owens or you follow Becky Owens and you're like, what does she like? Because I love her aesthetic. You can come find it. So it's the same idea for you. I don't necessarily think or need you need to think you need to start creating your own content yet on Pinterest. You can, and it can be less, but you could start to save boards and they could be like exactly what we saw, what I had found, the dressing room closet reveals or dressing room goals. And then you could look up other things that people have tagged. So let's say there's all these makeup ones, and then you could do a whole board that's just beautifully organized makeup. So I know you don't sell home organization, but you told me in the very beginning is Radiant Home Products is going to be selling functional and beautifully designed products for the home. So you can start to post things and think about who is my customer. So you'll share content that looks like what your customer would want and you will not share content that's not. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. (laughs) So I think Pinterest is a good place for you. I think when you also, when you're looking at these images, you can reuse these images as long as you tag and give credit on your social platforms. Oh. Okay. That's kind of where I was going next. So I'm going to show you, I'm going to go to Instagram and I'm going to show you Becky Owens on here and what she posts because she's not always able to share their homes or these projects. So if we go look at Becky Owens, it's B-E-C-K-I Owens.com. She has projects that she's done, but she also has just posted, she is here, holiday roundup. How amazing are these green festive interiors? Swipe through. And she just tagged all of the interior places. None of these are her design, but she's saying, I love green because she's an expert, right? So I love green. Green's on trend. Look at my inspiration of green. Look at all these people doing it. And then she's tagging them. So I see the same thing for you. Yeah. Where you can find product, you can follow hashtags, find awesome closet makeovers, like anything that has to do with 
beautifying your home. And then you start to share other content plus your content and you just tag them. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Now what happens is customers are going to follow your account. And we're talking about your account specifically for the type of product that you do. But now potential customers are going to discover you. And if they're like, ah, I really like her aesthetic and how she curates this feed, then they're going to follow you for that. And they're going to be inspired. And when they're interacting with you, when you do post introducing the two pack of the crystal hanger or a post about redoing your hallway closet, they're also going to see that. So they know Radiant Home Products. Oh, I follow that company. I follow because look at all the like really beautiful interiors they they share. And the interiors have to do with my aesthetic and let's call it organized goals. Now you're pulling the right customer forward. They're interacting with content they care about. And then you'll have their eyes so that when you do post something, it's like, oh yeah, we match. I You get me, I get you, we match. Oh, maybe I should try it. Okay. Yeah. I really like that. And then, like I said, it's finding a reason why they're going to give you their email address. So I want you to treat, you could do a hallway closet makeover. You can do an entire campaign about that with like a giveaway. You could work with influencers and gift a bunch. There's home organizing influencers. They'll do like living room makeovers and they're like using this paint. And then everybody has to go, all these home influencers will go like redo a living room or something in this color paint, and it's their version of it. So you can always do stuff like that too, where you're like closet makeover edition or and work with influencers and ask them to use your product. And that's kind of what we were talking about earlier was sort of that user-generated content that resonates with your end customer. Yeah, I think that would be nice because right now I'm doing everything. Like I'm the model in all of my advertisements and, you know, I'm the one showcasing the product, but it, it almost seems like somebody else talking about how much they love a product seems to resonate more. Yes, a hundred percent. And you get to use creators and influencers creativity and how they're using it. And that's a little bit the same way that I'm saying to you about the customers that have bought from you. You obviously have data from what you've, you figured out, but keep asking the people, maybe have a follow-up survey that it's like, thank you for your purchase. Do you want to get a $25 gift card? Could you take five minutes, right? You, you time it. And if you use these survey things, it tells you like how long the survey is going to be five minutes or seven minutes, submit, and we'll send you a gift card. And just ask these questions to help you focus or target in on who you're marketing. Cause you have a great product. We just have to connect it with the right customer in the right place. Yeah. It's podcast recommendation time, and I cannot get enough of this podcast. It is so good. I love it so much. And also, I love podcasts that are focused on product-based businesses, which is why I'm a huge fan of Another Bite, a HubSpot podcast that breaks down the latest and greatest pitches from the show Shark Tank. In fact, you can actually hear us on the podcast. We were on season one, episode 25, and it was called The Risk of Influencer Marketing with Bala Bangles, The Mad Optimist, and Tentacle. Now, these episodes are so fun to listen to, and I think they're a really great deep dive into the mindset behind one, building a product-based business, and two, breaking down why the sharks may or may not invest in the product. I think it's just such great market research. Now listen, each episode hosts John Dick, Dory Monroe and Ariel Boswell offer their unique thoughts, critiques, and they even talk with some of the folks who pitch to the sharks and live to tell the tale. 
Now the episodes are short and sweet, but they're jam packed with ideas that you can contextualize and leverage for your own product-based business. And like I said, they're really fun to listen to. So tune in and join the conversation wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hey friends, are you unsure of what to say on social media or what to even send in your weekly emails? Well, what if creating content could be easy? Would you be looking for a shortcut to creating consistent content? Yes, consistent content, because you know consistency is key. Well, let me tell you, you are not alone when you feel like you're struggling on what to post or what to write in emails. And we know that you have that product part of your business down. But as you're listening to this podcast, you probably already know that to get more people to your products, to buy your products, you need to create great content. Oh, I know, I see. I keep saying content, and that's the dreaded C word. And we can't tell you how many product bosses tell us that they want to create great content for their audience and their customers, but they don't know what to say, or they are so busy they can't find the time, or they really, really, really don't want to be the face of their brand. Well, no worries, because that's exactly why we created a year of content. It is your shortcut to creating consistent content that resonates with your audience and brings more loyal customers who can't wait to buy your products. If you want to see how easy this is and how easy it is to create content for your audience and your customers, head to www.ayearofcontent.com. I know how difficult it can be creating content for your business with everything else you have to take care of, but get this, it doesn't have to be so hard. As I was showing Chelsea, there are creative ways you can use other people's content to get people following you and your brand. You can sprinkle in your own images in here and there, and suddenly you've got an audience catered to your specific aesthetic, seeing your products in their feeds. But there's so much more than that. So If you've heard of it, we have a year of content and that was created to give you enough content ideas to fill your whole social media marketing calendar for the year. And it will help you find ways to show up online that are stress-free, engaging, and are actually converting. So I just want to let you know that that is waiting for you if you do need some extra help, like how it helps Chelsea. So I also want you to know, because I know you were feeling a little bit down before we started the call. It's the holiday season. It's literally what happens. But you're still working out the kinks. So the awesome, amazing, wonderful thing is that you actually figured out how to work with China. You're shipping in heavy hangers, which is not cheap, which is partially why the cost is so high. They're great quality. So you figured all of that out, which production, shipping, importing, all of that is not easy. Well... You have that product. was my job. I used to be a supply chain exec. So the whole front end of the business, so yeah. easy for me. Back end, yeah. figuring out how to sell. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. It's actually, it's funny because I think you're more of the back end of the, the importing and the front end is the marketing, right? It's front of house. So I get it. And that's why like, you know, I had this conversation with my husband the other day because he's an actor, but he's also coaching people on voice and I was like, you get so stuck because he wants to do it all himself, but he gets stuck having to do it all himself, not because of time, but because he doesn't know how to do certain things. So those things take him so much longer to problem solve, figure out, are there like a massive stopping point instead of 
can you hire someone to handle this part for you so that you are in your zone of genius and someone else knows how to do the other side that is their zone of genius? So I just want you to think about that with like, you're going to learn marketing. You're doing a great job already. Your videos, your images, like you're good with all of that. But I want you to just realize that you've just kind of, this is not, this company hasn't been around forever. And so you're testing and trying and tweaking. And you just keep tweaking until you find the right fit. And I think that's where I sometimes struggle is because I'm so attached to the outcome right now that the testing and trying and tweaking ends up being really emotional. Whereas somebody else probably wouldn't be that emotional about it. And we're like, I'm just gathering data. (laughs) And I'm like, no, this is my livelihood. (laughs) Yeah. And you have a lot of money tied up in it. So I would rather you, there's a direct to consumers. So you've turned off your ads. By turning off your ads means you've kind of turned off that faucet. Do you have an email list? I do. It's really small. It's like 120 people. Okay. I wonder if you could do awareness ads instead of conversion ads. They might be cheaper. So there's a couple ads. There's ones that you can do awareness to bring them to your social media, to like it and follow it. But it might just be more of like an awareness campaign that people start to know because when they start to know and follow, you can do organic stuff. And I mean, that might be good because I I guess one of the things I struggle with is there's very few people in this luxury hanger space and the few people who are in the luxury hanger space don't do ads. So like, I'm like, my initial thought was like, well, what are other people doing? Can I copy them? And I was like, oh, there's nothing to copy. (laughs) That's why I think, that's why I actually feel like wholesale is a better world for you because people are walking into stores and they're looking for interesting things. You're in a space that like, when I did Cuffs Couture, people didn't even know, or I had a client that did, it was called Sleeping Beauties and they were sleeping bras because they had studied and said that sagging happens when you don't everyone go buy a bra right now. But like their thing was you should sleep in a bra because otherwise your sagging is worse when you're sleeping. There was a whole, whole bunch of stuff that different people came to me up. Like whenever with my coaching, what's funny is like, there's always trends. So like in this one season, I had nothing but people trying to correct sagging issues with all different types of product. (laughs) Other times it was like men's swimwear. So there's not an awareness to type in luxury hanger. Does that make sense? And same with sleeping bra. So I don't, there's, there, the problem has not been presented. So I remember this one client, she spent $10,000 on we spent like 10000 on making the product, 10000 on SEO to drive people to her website. But what would have been better is spending on PR or brand awareness, telling people, this is a problem. I've got your solution. So people didn't even know there was a problem that needed to be solved or that that was the thing. And obviously typing in bra or lace bra is irrelevant. So for you right now, there might be this search of like, you might have to go back into some keyword search and say, are people looking for different sized hangers? Because I know you were positioning your brand initially on sizing. So they're looking for different sized hangers. They are, but they might not be at that price point. And then using the word luxury, are they typing in luxury hangers or are they typing in wood hangers or engraved wood hangers? So I think there's a little bit of, again, you've got the product. It's just the tweaking of like, what are people looking for? And then how do I match you want to match with them. And so we want your stuff to be at the end of the rainbow for them. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. I think when I first started this journey about a year ago and I was trying to find hangers for me, I tried typing in 
women-sized hangers, and that didn't yield anything. But then when I finally discovered, oh, they're called petite hangers, and I was like, I'm not a petite woman. I don't buy petite things, but the hangers are called petite. And so it's like, I only found that by getting to like the 10th page of Google, you know? And same thing though, are we typing in petite hangers? No, I don't, there's not even awareness of, I know there's kid hangers and I know there's adult hangers. And those are the only two hangers I know about other than like pant hangers. But I wouldn't even look at women's hangers because it's not even a a product category or offering that is, women don't even know it's a problem that we have. Yeah. Like, like I literally ask every single woman and I was just like, did you know that the average man's shoulders is 17 inches wide, which is why our hangers are 17 inches wide. And did you know that your shoulders are only 15 inches wide and none of them like never even thought about it. (laughs) Right. So you have to actually take a position. And so now we talked about initially we're phrasing this product as different size hangers. I think if that was the route you were going to go, we could have done this in a much cheaper I know. way. And it's so true. And, and I do I, like when I focus on that as the problem, the solution is not this incredibly beautiful carved hanger. It, I could get a $2 hanger solution for that. <laughs> Correct. And there is this guy actually recently that I saw who's blown up. I don't know if he was on Kickstarter, but he has like a, a hanger that kind of like bends and gets in your clothes really easy. He's blowing up. I think we're at a little bit of a crossroads here. Okay. I think that you could do your research on these beautiful wooden hangers and see if there's a big enough market and that people are looking for wooden engraved hangers. They may not be typing the word luxury, but they're looking for, maybe they're typing the word fancy or engraved, right? You have to kind of find the words. And then you're going to position yourself in all the ways I've taught you right now in terms of like being in the specialty shops. Another place you could also sell, even though they do get them wholesale and at cheaper prices, but potentially even boutiques, you can sell them mass amounts at a wholesale price for them to use and hang their own clothes. So it's just like another category. But I I think you need to go into places that have already the right customers positioned. I do believe museum shops or art museums in general, places that people who are getting married would potentially go small bridal boutiques that maybe the bridal boutique wants to buy it and gift it to the person with it on. It might have to have certain grippies, but you could problem solve for that. Photographers of bridal, that's at that edge. And then the other side is where your customers, if they're 65 plus, they maybe aren't shopping all the time for new clothes, but they want to have like a really nice closet. Then you also have to figure out where are those people hanging out? Who are they following? What are they searching? Is it on Pinterest? I don't think that they're on Instagram. And so you're just going to have to start to connect it and see if when your messaging tightens up, that it does connect with the right customer. The other side is that you start getting quotes on smaller hangers that are cheap. And you also, because you've problem solved this, look into what would it cost to create like those normal hangers that are, you know, 12 packs or 24 packs at different sizes. But then you end up in a more competitive space because the hanger people could just do it. Yeah, they could. And I mean, so I'll show you this. Um, I actually made this one. So this is kind of the new variant that I'm going to be launching in a couple of weeks. And this is a lot cheaper because it's so much less carving. So it takes so much less time to make. But even though it's a lot cheaper, it's what it 
by the time I get landed costs, they're still $5 a piece. So I was going to sell these for 20 each, which is a lot more appetizing, I guess, or, or like appealing of a cost, but they're still not like that cheap. Yeah. But 20 does seem a little bit easier for like, you know, four for a hundred or no, no, no. Oh my God. Look at me in my mouth. Five for a hundred or, or even six for a hundred, you know, if you want to sell more, but I think I'd like you to try this idea of starting to just position your brand with those, like kind of what I was showing you on Pinterest. So these kinds of images following along like a Becky Owens, where she's posting images that deeply resonate with your customer who we're sort of starting to figure out. I don't know that I would use the word luxury because people who can't afford luxury aren't even typing in luxury. And that was kind of why I ended up calling my hanger a designer hanger, because if I've been designer hanger. There are some results that come up, but it's not like a ton. And I was like, well, it's a bit different. And it really is designer. Like there's a lot of effort that went into making this the best hanger ever. So a place that you can always look is on Pinterest because Pinterest is the second or the third biggest search. So you can do your research on keywords like that. There's a lot of people on Etsy that do like the basic hanger, but then they just engrave words yeah. on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. Are you on it? I am. Yeah. Yeah. How does that go? That's actually not bad. So I make a jewelry holder, which was originally made to be a jewelry holder, like for necklaces. And it's the same tree of life. It's very similar style to the hanger, but meant to be a jewelry holder. And then one day I hung dried flowers on it and that's taken off. So that's my bestseller on Etsy. But I sell like two of those a week, maybe on Etsy. Okay. There's another app called Answer the Public. Now we go into how to use things and do things inside of multi-stream machine. Like there's a whole section on SEO and and figuring things out, but I'm just going to like, if you go to answer the public, what it does is it, you get like three free searches and you can discover what people are asking about. So you can type in keywords, a topic, a brand, a product, and it'll actually give you this like graphic. So for example, if I typed in like the word marketing, they have this example of people, the questions that people are asking are marketing for small business, where marketing can be applied, marketing without data, can marketing make you rich? So it shows you different long tail keywords that people use and then the search about like how many people are searching it. And so this might be another way for you to think about how do I find the words they're using? Because when I did this with my business, I had on my designer consulting co-op business, I said, helping you build a brand from the ground up. And people were looking, how do I start a clothing line? They weren't looking how to build a brand from the ground up. So I had 40 searches. It was like 40 people searched how to build a brand from the ground up. I think it was like 1,800 people searched how to start a clothing line. So as soon as I switched my messaging, I ended up ranking top one to three on Google search pages for starting a clothing line because I just found the right words. We've been talking a lot during this coaching call about using the right words to reach Chelsea's customers. Are the hangers small, women's, or petite? Are they designer or luxury? These might seem like small things, but the words your customers use are important because that's how they're going to find you. People who are into luxury items probably aren't searching using the term luxury. You have to do some research and discover how your ideal customer would describe your product, then reverse engineer your marketing from there. So that is another bit of the play that I want you to, I want you to kind of play, don't put the pressure on yourself. Next year, the beginning of the year, people are getting into 
home organization, how they're going to kick off the new year strong. So there's still time to sell to people in that time too. Right now, as you go through the holidays, I want you to email. I want you to connect the dots. I want you to give them reasons that they're going to buy it right now. But then you're just going to keep working on it. And we're going to sell the $40,000 worth of, of hangers. Like that's inevitable. We just have to find the thing that's still missing. But how can I help you sort of have a plan to walk away that you're not feeling overwhelmed, but you're feeling inspired? All of the things we've talked about are just so doable. And I think if I just take a step back, because like I'm spinning my wheels, I'm like, I I keep doing these things that aren't yielding results. And it's like, okay, let's wipe this slate clean. Let's start again with these different things that we've talked about. I can definitely do that. And I just have to keep working on my mindset. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not go down in that downward spiral. <laughs> well, that's what we talked about in the very, very beginning. Like being an entrepreneur is an exercise in getting to know yourself. And then also we bring to the table everything that we've, everything that we haven't worked through, or maybe we have, right? Like maybe you've worked through it with a spouse, but then you're like, oh crap, this is like poking its head here in my business. And so it is true that so like it's 50, 50, it's strategy but it's also mindset. And mindset is the thing that's actually going to stop us from having strategy, from being creative, from keep, to keep going. And so I think that's the part where, especially like right now you're in this mastermind, lean into the people. That's why we have it. Lean into the community because the community is the one that's like, keep going. You can do it. This happened to me too. When we can source from each other and also lift each other up. I think that part, and then also sharing, we commiserate and we celebrate wins together. So being like, oh, you know, that person's a million dollar business and they're still feeling the struggle, for example. And then strategy wise, I want you to just implement what you think you can. And then you start and and give yourself, I think 30 days is too little. I'd say 60 days to try something and let it go through. Ad companies ask for three months to work it all out. And that's actually really helpful for me to hear because I think I had these unrealistic expectations of like, I'm going to do ads and in three weeks, I'll have it all figured out and be making crazy sales. <laughs> so, so we pay so much money for ad agencies because they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. What do we know? Nothing. Like literally, <laughs> I'm like, please, I will make you any product you want and I will find you the best supplier in the world. Just please don't make me sell something. <laughs> <laughs> says a lot of product classes. I think that's going to be a mindset thing I want you to work on. I have, I've created an amazing product that's going to solve so many problems or meet the needs of people. And that's why I created this. So I am, it's not doing them a favor, but sort of like I am doing them a favor by making them aware of the solution I have for them. You were them and you wanted the solution, but no one made it for you. So now you're serving your customers by coming up with this beautiful solution. You have different sizes. You've thought it all through for them. So now it's instead of feeling like you're selling, you're you're making things easier and better. You're helping them. They may not live in the perfect house that they want. They dream of a big house, but they at least have a beautiful closet. So find the love for them and how your product is something that is serving and it might get better, but the selling part. Yeah. And I think that makes sense. I have been very focused on selling, not necessarily serving. Yeah. And that's why I said about like the opt-in or posting these kinds of images. That is the serve. I forget who said it. I don't know if it's Gary V, but it's like serve, 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 sell. So how can you 
serve beautiful images. That's something like I would follow and save because I want my closet to look like that one day or a tip for organizing or how to press like jackets, how they get like weird bumps. If you have them on the wrong hanger, you may also do tips of like how to solve for that. And then you'll, your solution is get a better hanger. But if it's like that, this is how you steam it, right? If that is where you want to go with it. And then you see what resonates, but you give it time to play out and you see what resonates with your customer. And that's the serving part. The sales will come. They just will. It's part of like the karma bank. Our Maria, who used to be in our marketing team was like, it's part of the karma bank. Give, give, give. You're giving. And then the bank of karma will then eventually yield the sales you're hoping for. Yeah. Okay. I love that. I love that as something to focus on and think about. So I think you'll, you know, listen back to this. You'll go through it, get inspired again. You just, I don't want you to take away from a week ago. You were like, I have a huge win. I just got a $3,000 order. And it was right after you changed your website too, mind you. You like flip things around. So you've, you're, that's people are listening and they're like, I would, you know, I would love it. So it's nuts because like when grass is always greener. So you've made this huge order and now we have to figure out how do we make this whole thing repeatable and how do we attract that kind of customer and get more of those? Okay. So stay on that high. (laughs) You're just in the problem solving part. All right, Chelsea, thank you so much. So if our listeners want to buy from you, which they should, and follow you and support you, how can they connect with you? Uh, Yeah, so the company is Radiant Home Products. So it's radianthomeproducts.com. And then on Instagram, I'm at radianthomeproducts. And then I also just opened a TikTok account. And that's also (laughs) radiant.home.products. Are you doing TikTok shops? Yes, I am. Awesome. So we can all go buy off of TikTok. Yes. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Figuring out how to position a high-end product can be a challenge. Chelsea has a beautiful product that people are eager to buy, but she went into this call without knowing exactly what was motivating people to make that purchase. With some clarity around her ideal customers, she can start positioning her product with content that speaks to those people directly and marketing it into the right places that they're already paying attention to. And you can do the same in your business. Reach out to your existing customers and learn why they shop with you, where they spend their time, and how much money they make. The more you know, the better you can put yourself into their shoes and serve them better. And if you're struggling to come up with content ideas, don't forget to check out our A Year of Content. It's going to be linked in the show notes for you. And my friends... We will get into more of this content in the next show. So make sure if you're loving these episodes, would you mind following the show? And if you love it, leave me a review. I'd love to see your feedback, especially on these new coaching episodes. And I'd love to also hear from you on Instagram. So send me a message. And remember my friends, action takers are money makers. So I will see you in the next episode. Thank you for being here and listening all the way through the Product Boss Podcast. If you love our show and it has helped you in any way in your business, would you mind doing two things for us? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Reviews help other product entrepreneurs know that this is the place to be to grow their businesses and realize that they're not alone. 
And we know that you all know that a five-star and honest review helps you sell more products to more people. So you know that your reviews help us reach more listeners around the world. Remember, what we give is what we receive, and we are all about helping each other in the Product Boss community. We are all in this together. We would be so appreciative of you if you could take the time right now to subscribe, leave a review, and even share this episode on social or someone you know so we can impact more lives. And remember, subscribing means that you will get notified each time we release a new episode so you never miss a thing. You have helped us grow and climb into the top 10 of all marketing podcasts and together we can keep climbing. Thank you, friends. And remember, there is room at the top for all of us.